Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What you want to read on holiday, like with absorption. It's it. a navy blazer. Yeah. But it's so much more. No, it's yeah. Nice. I'll send you the recipe. That sounds so good. And I would say, yes, I did know pretty damn quickly. I knew you were going to say that. That's amazing. You're listening to the Sherlock's podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Hello, and welcome to today's Sherlock's success stories. I'm Georgie Courage-Cole and I am, I always say I'm thrilled to be joined. I'm particularly thrilled to be joined <laughs> by Sylvie Shantikai today. Sylvie first entered the beauty business more than 45 years ago at the behest of the esteemed Lord of Family, no less. She was considered something of a pioneer. She went on to launch Shantikai as a niche French fragrance house with four original scents. And within a year and a half of launching, she realized that her passion for skincare, natural products, Chinese medicine and aromatherapy were beginning to be expanded. Today, she's here to talk about how she turned Shantikai into the global company it is today uh, to talk about what makes it so special and what she's learned along the way. Welcome, Sylvie. Welcome from New York. Thank you, Joyce. It's lovely to hear you. Lovely to see you. Um, Sylvie, you're you're a real pioneer and you have um, some very unique DNA uh, when it comes to the environment running through the brand. And I'm going to come on to that. But before we even talk about beauty, I've done a little bit of research into your upbringing and your lifestyle and it sounds like you were born in a very glamorous age and and have had an amazing life can you tell us a little bit about the 60s yeah tell us tell us Um, tell us about brushing shoulders with Coco Chanel that's what I want to know (laughs) well I grew up in Paris and I was lucky that I had parents who loved art and all they loved was to buy art and travel and go to different places in Europe and meet different people. They were all extremely intelligent and artistic. And, and I was an only child. And my parents had me fairly late in their life because there was a war in Europe, as you know, and they went on together for almost 10 years. So I arrived after the war and I had enough bringing of an adult in a way. So I was never quite a child. Although I was a child, but it was more of a grown-up person, you know. So if you're the only daughter of a father, it's very interesting. Mm. Because basically they want a boy. So they raise you like a boy, you know, so, <laughs> which I think is very useful if you're going to start a business, you know. Yes. It probably gives you the drive and the confidence in a funny way to just go for it. And so when, did your parents did your parents work or were they in a position where they could just collect uh, art? My father worked, my mother didn't. And you know, they had um they had a life. You know, they were an interesting life and they didn't get along very well, which was difficult. I had to maneuver between them, you know. But mm. at the same time, it was good to be the only daughter of a father. And I think that's very important. And I think I've, uh, I've met other women in business who were very successful, and it was the same case for them. And I find that very interesting. Mm, so do I. Yeah, men who don't have sons and want sons raise their daughter in that idea. 
I also I, think men that don't have sons <laughs> are amazing fathers to their daughters. Yes. I have cousins who are you know, three girls and a best friend who's one of four girls too, in fact. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting the relationship they have with their father as a result of their, yeah. Yes, anyway, yeah. Um, anyway. That's, a, that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. But but um, tell me, so education-wise, so you had this life, you traveled a lot, you were obviously very cultured, so, independent, I imagine, yeah. growing up. What what um, what um did your education look like? Very, very, it was very visual. So the, my education was more about um, art, and um, I studied 18th century porcelain. Huh. <laughs> I, I, you know, once I passed and I went into, I didn't want to study law. My father wanted me to study law, and I thought, absolutely not. I'm going to go to theater school. I like that much better. And then I also would take the classes at uh, the Musée du Louvre and study different parts. And I love the class at the Musée du Louvre because basically I started going out a lot at that time. And you could sit in a dark room and sleep. <laughs> you were sleeping off your hangover in the dark room. I wasn't having a hangover because I never drank. I didn't like alcohol. <laughs> but, but you were mate, dancing. deal. And I danced a lot. <laughs> and also during theater, you learn, I can get up in public and make a speech anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you know, these are the things that are useful in life, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Public speaking, I know yeah. it should be um, should be absolutely yeah. mandatory, shouldn't it? So you were asking about Coco Chanel. So when I was a debutant, I had to have a couple of dresses, quite a lot of dress actually, and one of my uh, escorts, Beau, was a nephew of Coco Chanel. And he brought me around and I, you know, had some dresses uh, fitted. And uh, what was incredibly interesting of her is she, at that time, she was quite old. She'd come back to really being fashionable in Paris again. You know, she stopped her business for a long time. And then she started again. So this was the 60s. We're talking about 63, 64. So she's back at the top and she's always wearing that hat and smoking a cigarette. And she's got a pin. And she pins you and sometimes hurts you and she doesn't care what's on one bit. But she's very interesting. And she also was um, fascinated with America, which nobody knows. And she was a great friend of the mother of another friend of mine, John Pike. Her, his mother, Marion Pike, was a great painter. She painted Coco Chanel. And yes. they were great friends. And um, his sister was the godmother of her son. So she was very involved in their life. And she loved, she loved the whole American thing. You know, I think Coco being a Leo, and I'm a Leo too, so I get it, has always liked what the next thing is and what is the most interesting, glamorous thing. She loved, you know, she loved Russia with the time of the Russian uh, prince who the hottest thing in France. And then she became, you know, the mistress, as you know, of uh, the Duke of Westminster, mm. which was the best thing you could do in London at the time. So she's all, <laughs> you know, for really interesting future, and and mm. she was fascinated with everything. Was she good? Was she was she good company? She was very interesting. I can't say, you know, I was very young. She wasn't terribly. Um, Warm. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so I'm getting this picture of art and theatre and parties and being a debutante I would love to have been a debutante in the 60s in Paris that would have been far more fun. beautiful balls they were amazing balls it was you know really a time when Paris came back and there was incredible parties incredible parties I mean I remember balls at the Rothschild they're incredible well you know incredible balls all over it was like you know two years it was absolutely amazing 
another world another world that that god wouldn't it be amazing to come back in that time how did you get into beauty and and when did that happen you know by accident what happened is when when i started going out or you have to do your own makeup you know so my mother bought me when i was very young maybe i was 14 or 15 to her facialist and so i had a facial and i always remember the facialist asked my mother you should allowed her to put a little makeup on me. And my mother says, as long as it doesn't show. And so um, I always remember getting up and looking at myself because it was like down in, in, on a table and getting up and looking at myself in the mirror and looking, oh my God, that stuff is genius. I thought this is genius. I know, thank God we're women, not yeah. men. That's what I always say. I mean, I'm very grateful no, because frankly, yeah. you know, some of us, my mother said to me once, darling, we're not those kind of women that can just roll out of bed and, you know, look beauty. Some some be- look beautiful. Some people are born with it, but, you know, we need to put our face on. So uh, it stuck with me. I never I never come down to breakfast until I've got my makeup on if I'm staying at someone's house. <laughs> so not the case with me. My mother wasn't thinking that. She was like holding back. But I thought this is very intelligent thing. I was fascinated by the intelligence of it. I thought, how clever. And then because I did theater, then I looked more into it. And I started looking really at what it does. And I was very interested in many things. I was interested in morphology. I was interested in people in general. You know, I love to sit on the bus. I used to take the bus to go to my acting school and look at people and thinking, wow, this should did this and this look amazing. And I spent hours doing that, you know, really, it was entertaining me. Can I tell you, can I tell you, Sylvie, I used to do that in my lessons at school. I used to sit in math and I'd look at my teacher and I'd think if she if she tweaked her skirt like this and her hair like this, then I used to, and then I'd be like, she'd actually be wearing something totally different. It wouldn't be a tweak. But anyway, how funny. <laughs> so that means your eye is looking at people. You know, I can fast forward there from there to uh, 20 years later, not 20 years, less than that. I think I was 29. Yeah, 29. Um, I had already, I'm in New York. I'm already married. I have one child. And I have already done a cosmetic company with a girlfriend of mine, Edmund Furstenberg. And Dan and I did this line and we sold it in four years. At that time, the lawyers had heard about me and they asked me to come and create a line for them. And that was prescriptives. So when I started that, um, I always remember Leonard said to me, skincare, you do only skincare because I got all the makeup I need in Lauder. I just need a skincare line. Okay, all right, sorry. But I said, you know, Leonard, I'm really good at color. I'm really, really good at color maybe we should just do a little bit of color until the skincare takes on, you know. So I say, okay, but make sure it's not the same thing as I have, which is very smart, man. And so I was, there's always a joke that I was um, in the history of first country that I was sitting, I was standing at that time, you used to go to the bank to, to get money or collect or put your checks in. It was not online. There was no such thing as online. I'm talking about 1974. So I'm at the bank around the corner on Madison and I'm looking at these women and I'm seeing one woman who has wearing red lipstick and she looks great. And another woman and it looks horrible. And they both have the same hair because I was trying to figure out something about hair and eye color and it wasn't getting me anywhere. And I realized this is not their hair. It's not their eye color. It's their skin. Is their skin. They have different skin color. And that is driving the ability to wear the color. 
it was, you know, it was a big thing because it gave me this aha moment that I need to focus on skin. So I don't mm. know, you're too young to remember prescriptives, but what I did well, was I realize do. all of the skin color. So from that day, I called every person that worked in the building and get them in my on my office and look at their skin and analyze their skin tone yeah. and realize that there were big families of skin tone. You either had more yellow in your skin or you had more blue in your skin. You had, you know, you were the darker girl with the white skin with blue and you look really good in those dirty pinks, you know, mm. or like you are with a blonde hair and a bit of color and you look in orangey red, you know. Mm. And- exactly. It's an orangey yeah, red. Exactly. Sylvia, we, we've got to go back. We've got to go back because you have mentioned Diane von Furstenberg. You've mentioned Lauder. You've, I mean, his book. Oh my God. And I, I'm sort of nodding at you talking about prescriptives because I read his book last summer and, you know, that this, this all comes out. Anyway, I adored it. And... I thought, what a great man. But anyway, um, can, can you talk to us about Diane von Furstenberg? I mean, what an icon. How did yes. you end up launching a line together that you said you sold four years later? Well, Diane fr- was a friend of mine. Uh, I, I mean, a really very good friend of her husband, Egon. We grew up together. And so we all came to New York together. You know, we, we were quite young. And so we're talking with Diane one night. He says, let's do something together. And I said, well, I, I'm not into your dresses. That's not my thing. And I don't really like it. She said, what do you want to do? I said, you know, it would be really fun. We do a cosmetic line. Oh, she said, yes, let's do it. So we were just talking at home, you know, and then we just, we did it. And what so, stage was she at in terms of her fashion label at that she point? She was already quite famous. She was, I think she went on the cover of Time magazine maybe two months later. She was very strong with the dresses already. Uh, and what was the line that you launched with Diane? It, it was, was color. It was called Diane Van Oh, okay, I see. Right, right. We launched it in New York and then we traveled around the States. And because she was famous with the dresses, this was a very good thing. The stores wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. So we, I remember we launched, I think we did something like 23 cities in 24 days. You know, this madness, so madness. But it was good. You know, first of all, it got me to understand the American retail thing. And, we you know, I really understood a lot. And then we opened a store in Madison. And uh, every went by that store and you know, looked over. And that's how the lotters met me because they had people stop by saying, well, this is an interesting woman. She's got a creative. So, and, so and she, what, what beauty experience did you have when you went into business with Diane? Zero. Zero. I just thought, you know, you find the people who can do the thing. I'm very good at, at starting something. So okay. I can and do what, what, what is that in you? The, the, I'm fascinated. The drive. What, what is it? I mean, you, you approached Diane, you had no experience in beauty. And she said, yep, let's do this. And you built this and sold it. What did you bring, do you think, that made that a success? And has, yeah, what did you have with no training in beauty? I just did it. I can do things. You just do it. And what is that? You're a doer. You make things happen. You're an optimist. Yeah. What? What? Are, yeah. all, all, of things, all of these things. Um, talk to you a bit more about Lauder. Um, so you went to work. Was it Leonard? Was he running it then? Was his yeah. mother still running? Oh, she was totally there. Yeah, we got along like wildfire. Loved her. It was Ronald and Leonard. Both of them were there at the same time at that time, and uh, they wanted to create something different. Yeah. And they they didn't really have people that were entrepreneurs in the company beside them, beside Estee really. And I think that's why I got along so well with Estee in a way because she saw the same thing in me. Mm. And and it's uh, funny listening to you talk. Yeah. 
having yeah. read I haven't read her I must he talks a lot about her Leonard talks and I really people yeah. listening I really Leonard urge you to read it Leonard was yeah. the best son you can have he did everything for her he had such love and respect and he was an amazing son amazing son and a kind I said to somebody who, who works for Estee Lauder Group the other day I said is he as kind and sort of gentle and I mean he's obviously got drive and and commercial savvy and all these things but he just he just comes across as a you know obviously a man with huge power and and you know he he really helped her build you know she put the foundations in and he really he was a real pioneer and saw a way of marketing didn't he but he made it happen he he didn't you know she was the drive she was the visionary and he made it happen. Mm. And Ronald's very interesting too. Ronald was incredibly. Ronald also had the education of being put in the right place, going to all the schools, being incredibly artistic, being incredibly passionate about art. And so they all brought something, you know. It was a good thing that they were at the time because the 80s is where everybody made money in the United States. So you could start small and grow like crazy. And so these years were enormously you know, successful. Mm. I'm remembering now it was Trini who I was interviewing uh, the other day who said that um, Leonard said to her, just have patience, have patience. And um, mm. we're all in such a rush all the time. Um, so you were at Lauder for how long? 18 years. Wow. Why did you leave? Was it to launch Sean Takai? Um... Um, you know, when I first, I always remember Ronald saying to me the first year, he said, you know you're going to have your own company one day. You know that, right? <laughs> and I said, really? <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I have children to raise. I have a lot of things to do. I don't want that. But the truth is you do, you know, it's in your DNA. Can I ask you, you were, from what age to what age were you at Lorda? 29 to 50 something something very interesting is that for women life starts at 50 mm-hmm. oh that gives me huge hope <laughs> you know why i think that this is a time when you no longer are making babies unless you're crazy and it's a time when you are um starting to feel your power independently and you can just go for it i always said to me it's like if you do surf you know if you surf it's like you get the wave and suddenly you're on it and you go for it and that's really what happens and if you prepare your life all, you know, I mean, some girls hit the peak at 18. It's a totally different story. But most women have to go through an incredible lot to get to their power. Mm-hmm. And then they finally have their power. They can go and do it. And I think it happens after 50. Amazing. Well, that's, that makes me very excited for the future. Um, so you started Shantikai, which uh, is it's your family name, your husband, uh, Olivier. Um, Sean Takai and you started this business yeah in your 50s which was sort of 20 or so years ago and how was that as a 50 something year old woman I mean you obviously had a great career behind you at that point great connections how easy was it how daunted were you by it or were you not Uh, did it feel like a big step you had you have three children is that right yes Two girls and a boy who I know uh, are all in the business now. It's a yeah. real family, it's a yeah. real family setup. But um, yeah, w- w- did you question whether you were doing the right thing, or was it just so obvious that there was this gap in the market? It had nothing to do with the gap in the market. Nothing to do with it. It just had to do with I was going to do it, and it was just what I was supposed to do and what I want to do. And I had no money. No. And what pushed you? Can I just ask? What pushed you to go? Now's the time. 
Was there a, right, my last child has hit 10 or I've, you know, what what was the point where you said right now? What it was, was um, I need to get back myself and be totally myself. I think when you work for a long time in a corporation, you tend to give a lot and you tend to lose a little bit of yourself. And I think at some point, it's not, it, it wasn't me anymore. I decided that I was going to do it without anybody telling me what to do, cutting this hair, cutting that hair. It was going to be what I believe is right. And everyone threw money at me saying, oh, I want to be partner with you. I want to do this. And I said, thank you so much, but I'm not going to do this. I had a good friend who was, and was in charge of a major state. And she said, we have money in, your, in the state for women. And I thought, oh, interesting. So I went to check it. It never happens. So you don't get money from things that are supposed to be women-supported things and stuff. That doesn't exist. It sounds a good story, but it doesn't happen. So I thought, okay, I don't. So what I did is I, you know, when we have a 401k in the United States, which is your retirement uh, thing. So I cashed my 401k. Not normally something you do because you pay taxes right there. So I did this, give a little money. And then I took a second mortgage on my house and I really rolled the dice. And, now, and your husband was presumably behind with all of these steps I, that you were taking. What was his career at that point? It wasn't that great as much. So he was gently horrified. <laughs> but he was very supportive as he always is. But I'm sure he was absolutely horrified. <laughs> because, you know, I went from a very large salary to zero. And I know that he, I know he went on to, to, to join the business as well. Yes. What was he doing at that point? He was in the wine distribution. He's from the right. wine family. Although, so that was his, his career. So. It was, you know, it was just the time to do it. And I did it. That's all, you know. And I did what I had to do. And I rolled the dice. And and what was the idea? I mean, it's, it started as French fragrances. Well, the one thing I can do without too much money. I thought, I know, because I had developed fragrance at, in prescriptive. I developed a fragrance called Calyx. It was enormously successful. Oh, wow, and yeah. on another fragrance, which went into Lauder, which was called Pleasures. And when I left, so I can do this. I knew that it wouldn't cost me too much to start. You know, I didn't need the million dollars to start a cosmetic company. I could do it with the little money I had. And I had a lot of connection. Everybody was very kind and wanted to work with me. You know, the glass people, the you know, it was really. So I, you know, over the years, I had met everyone. And what it was very interesting, and I didn't know that until I came to do it, is people say, oh, you were so nice to me. Of course, we'd like to help you. And I thought, wow, I don't remember being nice to these people. But they were, and so now I always tell people, be nice. You don't yeah. know what is your going to pull in your chips, you know. <laughs> karma. I'm a big believer in karma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I had a lot of really nice help from people. And so I was able to do this with really very little. And so I started with this fragrance. And so what happened is the stores that I knew well in the United States, Neiman Marcus, you know, like all the stores say, oh, of course we'd love to launch a fragrance. So we launched a fragrance. And that went very fast. And, and what, I year, really- what year are we in, Sylvie, here? In um, 88? 90, no, sorry, 98. Somewhere like that. And so I'm starting. And it's really hard because suddenly I'm going with no secretary, no assistant. I have to do everything, you know. And I have to travel around all the stores because you don't launch a company without meeting everybody and getting everyone on the floor to know you and want to sell you. So it was kind of crazy. I was on a plane or a train every weekend 
And that, you know, was not what I was used to, but I did it. It happened. And my son at the time was very young and he was packing all the stuff for me. He had all these samples, he was organizing it all and doing it for me. He was the last one at home, you know, so he was doing all that. He was so cute. And my husband would drive me to the station that would get on the train and do it. And I remember Estée telling me years and years before that she had traveled the whole United States by train because she was afraid of flying. And she went everywhere by train. And she would go to California by train. She would do all this thing. And I was thinking, well, I guess I can't go to Philadelphia by train. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did it go well? What was the response to your... So you launched with four fragrances... So people liked them, but the reality is I realized there was no way I was going to make money with this. It wasn't going to be successful. Why Not was enough. that? Why was that? Because of the margins and fragrance or? No, because basically you have to hire people to sell them every day for you. So you're not there in the store selling them. You're maybe you're there one day and you're talking to people and you sell a few, but then you have to have women. You know, those women you're trying to avoid in the stores when you're walking by that spritz you with fragrance? Then these are the women you <laughs> hire. <laughs> so I thought, oh, this is a freaking nightmare. I have them all over the thing and it's costing money. And it's not really working. So I was not, but I wanted to launch it you know, I believe that the world is a small tennis ball. And I thought I should launch it right away in different places. I launched it in London and I launched it in Hong Kong. And in London, I met a girl who was called Nikki Kennard. And Nikki at that time was starting oh, space. Yes. And, yeah. And Nikki said, I've been looking for you everywhere. Come on, oh. let's do this. So we launched the fragrance at Nikki. And Nikki and I became great friends. And I went on to Hong Kong and launched it at Joyce, which was the big chic store at the time, yeah. where I met the girl who was in charge of beauty there. Later, I hired and ran our business in Asia for years. So it's um, it was a good thing to do. What happened is when I came back from Hong Kong, on my way back, I stopped in Tokyo. And I have a long history with Japan. So I went there. And I analyzed the skin you know, for days of the people. And I also saw the different the tone of the Oriental woman. So I learned mm. a lot about that. We launched prescriptive in Japan. This was very successful. And at the time, I had wanted to work with a lab in Tokyo that I really liked. But it wasn't possible at that time. But Laura, so I always had in the back of my mind. So when I went, I stopped in Japan. On my way back, I went to that lab and I, I had seen something that was interesting to me. I'm a big foundation person. I know foundation better than anybody. <laughs> they call me the foundation whisperer. And because I really, I really love your foundation, I'm not just saying that it is it is one of my one of my all time favorites. I was writing a piece the other day on my top three favorite products per category in beauty. And yeah, Shantai was yeah, the foundation was up there. It's magic. So I wanted to create something that was completely, you know, again, natural, effortless, not visible, perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at a product with them and I said, why don't we do this and this and that? So I came back and I had two little things in my pocket. So I went straight from Tokyo to Dallas, which is the home of Neiman Marcus. And at the time, Neiman Marcus was incredible. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, entrepreneurial stores. I mean, they had 40 stores, the biggest, most beautiful stores in the United States. They were very powerful and they were very creative. And so I stopped them and they said to me, but Sylvie, what we need from you is a makeup line. Why aren't you doing a makeup line? So what's funny you're asking that because look at what I have in my pocket here. I just came from Tokyo and I really like this. And they said, this is fantastic. Why aren't you doing it? I said, because basically I don't have the money and I don't want to take a partner. And they said, huh, interesting. Well, we really need you. And they said, you know, in fashion, sometimes we do something where we buy the fabric for the designer because they don't have the money to do it. And we buy the fabric for them ahead of the collection. And then we have the exclusivity on the collection. Is that right? Yes. Mm. Now, they no longer do this because the store... I was going to say, that's a great cash flow for an entrepreneur, isn't it? I mean, maybe there'll be, again, time when they have money and you find a creative merchant, but they were doing this on a regular basis. So because I was talking to people, the top of the management, they were not beauty people. They thought it in a different way. So very, very intelligently, they said to me, okay, so what do you need to do the line? I say, well, I need a million dollars. That's what we need to do it. Just a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they said, okay, here it is. So I left with the money to do the line. And so it was a handshake. It was never, they were not my partners. They never asked for anything except they want to be exclusive for quite a long time. They just didn't want me to go to Saks. That was the whole deal. <laughs> I feel so, like that world does not exist so much anymore. That's such a lovely story, isn't it? About sort of investing in people. But unfortunately, it feels like we're all a bit more cutthroat these days, doesn't it? But how lovely that that was what happened to you. You know, now the, the stores have such a hard time. You know, they don't have the liberty to be so creative. Mm. I mean, you look at the old videos and you see um, Mr. Marcus uh, launching Christian Dior, you know, and making yeah. for everything for Christian Dior. You know, that was in their habits of creativity. Yeah. Such a different culture back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Such a different culture. Yeah. I love looking at photos of, you know, the department stores sort of back in the day yeah, uh, yeah. yeah such a different world um so what year did you launch color then so then i launched color uh about nine months later okay so it was pretty in, quick from fragrance into color yeah, and yeah. Did, when did skincare come into the mix skincare. and then skincare was two years later okay because what happened is the color was very unusual because we had such incredible vision that was totally different and then the women started saying we love her stuff and there was the customers who said her foundation is so great and the stuff so feels so good. Does she have any skincare? And usually when you have a makeup line, you can't sell skincare. Mm. And it just doesn't work. If you think of all the names, you know, it's either one or the other. You know, mm. you're big in one or you're big in the other, but you're not big in both. So it was interesting that they wanted that. And therefore the stores were willing to go with that. So I really worked. So my passion really was skinned all along and it was either skin gear or it was foundation and it was color but it was really skin mm. so i had 
been quite ill with Lyme disease. Um, the time I was at Lauder for about 15 years, I was ill very regularly with Lyme. And I've done a lot of alternative therapies. I've done a lot of Chinese medicine. I've done a lot of everything with plants and herbs that can heal you because the amount of antibiotic you receive with Lyme is insane. And I got very allergic to it. You know, you walk around with something that put like this much antibody in your arm, like every two, twice a day. I mean, it's crazy. So it was such a harsh thing that I needed alternative. So I learned a lot about that. So when I wanted uh, and to did do- it work? Did the alternative therapy work? Oh yes, very well. Actually, I totally got rid of uh, Lyme disease totally, which is almost impossible to do. I'll tell you the actual secret. If you have a second, is yeah. ozone therapy. Ozone therapy. It's- therapy. So if you have Lyme, go somewhere where they'll pump some of your blood out, put ozone in your blood, and stick it back in your arm. And that kills the little bugger everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. And what was the landscape, you know, like? So I guess we're looking at, we're sort of around the millennium here. Who, I mean, you are, I I think what's so amazing about Shantikai is you're this sort of, (sighs) niche sounds wrong, but, but, you know, you don't feel mass market, but I mean, no. you're an enormous, you're an enormous business. You're an enormous brand sold all over the world. I, I dread to think how many doors and online, you know, it, it, I imagine it's, I don't know, I'm sure your turnover is hugely impressive. I won't ask you on that, but you know, it's a big business today, co- yeah, correct? It yes, it's a big how business. Many, how many staff do you employ? Not, not in retail stores, but in head office, for example, how many staff do you employ internationally? Well, well like in New York, it's, I mean, you know, there's less than a hundred people in the office, but you know, it's about that. And then we have an office in Hong Kong, an office in, in London, an office in Korea. And so all of these have, you know, a lot of people. And your <laughs> biggest mean, we, market is the US? Our biggest market is Asia. Okay. And we're not in China because of the annual testing. Okay. So Which we'll sell, come on to for sure in a moment. Yes, but. we through cross-border in China. But our customer, the Chinese adore us. So they've been buying everywhere in London, in Paris, in, in New York, everywhere. And they've been a, biggest, a very big part of our growth. Um, but what happened is we we an odd company because we're natural when nobody was natural. You know, we were almost hiding the fact that we're natural. We're not, mm-hmm. really, but that's what we believed in. So then we created that way. And we didn't use the type of preservative that we use. We didn't use it. We never use fragrance in the product. We never use, you know, all the things that are toxic to the skin because we want to have a totally untoxic, pure line made of plants and flowers, but at the same time, very scientific because I was always a science buff. So we are always working. We're the first line to do stem cells, plant stem cells. So we, you know, we were always in the forefront of developing new things that were interesting. Mm. And it was all about. Yeah. It's amazing. You're scientific, you're environmentally friendly, result driven, high performance, international, but sort of cult and a bit under the radar. And I think that's a really fascinating unique mix and and who was there anybody else at, when you launched the business in those early years I mean it's easier now to make analogies I suppose although I'm sure you've your USP certainly with the environment etc is pretty unique who was there other than the you know the Lauders and the Longcombs and the you know yeah. of this world the Christian Dior's and the who who were your competitors when you launched? Who did you see as your competitors? I, I you know I didn't think in those terms because I thought 
they're so different from us. You know, they're so different. You know, you look at Chanel, you look at Lancôme, you look at all those people. They were in another world for me because they were not interested in what I was interested in. Mm. I was interested in a type of beauty that was not the type they were interested in. I was interested in something that was natural, that looked incredible on people's skin. I wanted people to be very normal. I didn't want them to look like they were wearing something fake. If they looked like they were wearing makeup and put tons of stuff on their face, they were not my people. So I was creating a new tribe. That's how we grew. We had no money to advertise. So we're not fighting in the same field. Yeah. It was word of mouth. And, and, and as a result, you, you know, you appealed to a sort of Kate Winslet. I, I know she's yeah. that, you know, you appealed to that kind of customer who was sort of intelligent a little bit. And then the well, other thing you get, it was just so big part of us, is that I think it's 15 or 17 years ago, I don't remember, I started realizing I could use the line to talk about what I was passionate about, which was the animal. The yeah, so, that, so let's talk about that because that's you know, a huge part that, of, of your DNA. Yeah, so... You know, using the natural and using products that are good for you was not enough for me. And it happened sort of organically. I mean, you know, when we did Color Story, we were looking for something to create. And I was interested in creating something that had a significance. I'm a gardener. I love plants. I love to grow flowers and everything. And so um, I noticed in my house in East Hampton that we didn't have as many butterflies as we used to. There was used to be a massive amount of butterflies coming in August, really August, September. They're the um, beautiful, beautiful um, butterflies that go from Mexico to um, really to the north, really far away, and they come back down. And they go and winter in Mexico on those trees. You may have seen trees where you see a thousand of the monarch butterflies. It's an extraordinary thing. It's like the How thousands. long does a butterfly live for, Sylvie? Well, there's three generations doing this. So in other words, a butterfly is my, uh, a few months and then they create uh, an egg that goes on and goes. So there's three generations that do the whole trip. It we started with that, then we did corals, we did love with the ocean, we did overfishing, mm. you know, we did um, whales, we did uh, dolphins. Because what happened is we got involved with a lot of scientists, lots of people who are, you know, specialized in one species and tried to help them. So we start hearing everyone's plights and that we would do something for them. And then I was in Hong Kong launching the Coral Story, I always remember. And on the cover of the uh, Hong Kong Times, so this horrible story about uh, tigers being um, raised in something that looked like a rabbit thing um, to sell body parts to the Chinese to make wine. I mean, it was disgusting. Mm. So a friend of mine, was doing the press with us for the corals, was a major scientist in Hong Kong, said, this is what's going on. So I, I studied more about that. And then the next story we did was about tigers. And we did the whole thing about to raise awareness. So every time, every time we do something, something else comes up, we are faced with some horror or something that's really important to talk about. So we discovered that we could use power of speaking and our press and our trainings by talking about something that was urgent. Mm -hmm. And then my son had grown up in the meantime, and was a very good photographer, and we were making videos. So we'd go to different people and make these videos. And we'd, you know, we'd be in Africa, we'd be in all these places and make this, and we bring back all this footage. So now if you see um, encounters that have um, TVs, you can see these movies. You know, We have a lot of whatever the time of the year is on whatever we focus on. Mm -hmm. 
pass information to women. And yeah. many of us now say, so what is the next animal you're doing? <laughs> it's so interesting. They really got it. And they, they, I think, interest to be a part of something. You know, it's not just buying a lipstick. It's giving yeah. something back. Can you talk to us about your family, about your yeah. children being in the business? Yeah. And uh, I remember, well, reading Leonard Lauder book, thinking how wonderful it was that it was such a family family-run business and and I was reading about your daughters and your son yeah. and your husband all being in it how is that I read that they it, your daughters went off and did other things it happened organically which is so interesting I was mm. never like you have to do this it was more um what happened my daughter Olivia was usually important because when I started the line I really had no one to work with you know and Olivia had just come back from Paris, she was modeling in Paris, and she, you know she was looking for the next thing for herself. And we got along really well. And she was missing me when been together for like two years or three years. She lived in Rome. She, I mean, she lived in Milan. She lived in in Paris. So she was so happy back in New York. And so she helped me create the line of uh, makeup. You know, we worked together, and so it was really a lovely thing. And so she was always around. But after that, I would say five years later. Alexandra came in. Alex was doing PR. She didn't want to come and work with us. I don't I think she wanted to do the same thing. But then she was she was offered a big job because she was doing PR for a shoe company. And then she was offered, I think, to be PR for Gucci. And uh, I remember a friend of mine sat her down and said, Alex, you can either do this, which is a good job, or you can go work in your family company, which will be incredibly more important. And so she came to work with us. And Alex, and the good thing is that my child is so different. There was no competition. So Alex took in a whole different part and she started doing the retailers and understanding training and the same people and the same management of all this. And so she was separate from Olivia's function, which was more creative and PR and being, um, Olivia at that time was the face of the company. So it was very different. So, and then Philippe years later was, because he's eight years younger than Alex, so it was a bit later, he came in and started doing photos. He had uh, interned with Annie Leibovitz oh, and wow. he's a, yeah, and he's a very, he's a great eye. I mean, our family is very visual. You know, we're all very, 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 very visual. It's all about visual for us. So he came in and he started doing photos and he started, and then he developed a real talent. And I travel a lot with Philippe because I went to all kinds of crazy places. And she used to say, if it's dangerous, I go with mom. <laughs> we would do, you know, these great videos. And, we, and I brought the kids all along everywhere. I always brought the kids along everywhere. So we could be in Rwanda climbing with the um, the silverback gorillas and we'd be in all these places and we did all these things, which is great. You know, it was oh, just wow. great. Wow, so, how incredible. And uh, your husband was so Olivier, is your, your financial yeah. director. So Olivier came in and helped because also he wasn't going to see anybody if he wasn't with us. <laughs> I better join the party. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have any anything so to contribute to the conversation at lunch. So <laughs> he was someone you can always count on you know the person you can count on and he does the stuff that you find boring and difficult he does it so it was just amazing so it was so so great to have Olivier it was, it was wonderful so it was really good and you know when you're an independent company and I, I want to say something important here if you're an independent company and particularly if you're a women's company you do not foster politics in your company you do not create the kind of tension and mm. you know you don't do it 
And so I planned on having a company that was terribly open, where everyone was valued for their contribution. And I love seeing people develop and grow. You love to see that. And I think women's company are incredibly more inclusive. And I, think, I was talking with women yesterday in conservation. We were having a little thing here with friends who started the Lion Guardians. I had two women were talking about conservation in that field in Kenya, in Tanzania, different places. And we're saying that women conservation are incredible because they do not fight for their egos. Yeah, I agree. We're a bit more effective, I like to think. Um, would you encourage that that family business then? That's, I mean, I feel like it's a stupid question. I feel like it, it's clearly work for your family. <laughs> it depends on your family. You know, we're lucky that our family is so diverse that mm. they're all very creative. They all... And they're very talented in different ways. And I think if they were not talented, they would have not survived. Yeah. Uh, and they brought, each of them brought something major. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I, I couldn't have asked for better people to hire. You know, mm. I couldn't have. Those yeah, it's a, it sounds like there isn't much competition between them, which is great. Yeah. Um, can we talk about some key highlights, some moments you've had in in your career? I mean, particularly with Sean Sky, you know, what what have been the, the when you look back the, the moments you're most proud of or that have excited you the most? You know, is it celebrity endorsement? Is it is oh, it sales? Have, is it? I think it's not that we're proud. It's just that we're surprised and delighted with some of the celebrity endorsement that you you may or may not know. But there was a funny thing when Angela Jolie and Brad Pitt were the hot couple and they were crazy in love and it was so nice to see them. There was. Um, one of the major, major awards in the United States. So they're sitting at that table. And during dinner, Angela pulled in a little glass and put it on three times. And so it went viral around the world the next day. That thing was sold in two seconds. I mean, it was mm-hmm. incredible. And it became a big deal because everyone around the world talked about the Shanika lip gloss. Yeah. And it was a big deal. And she was, she was always using our stuff because she has a big mouth and it's uncomfortable for her, most things. And so she needs something that felt really good. <laughs> And she used our foundation for our movies. We used to send all the makeup for our movies. And Brad used to use our fragrance and also some of the foundations. I mean, so they, they were always big supporters. And, you know, we never talked about it because we didn't think that was, you know, we, we're very respectable. Not your people. style, is it, Sylvie? I can tell. So we were just like, it was blown away that she did this. Such And it was, I don't know why, everybody probably photographed it. I don't know how many times, because it was funny to see her do this during the show. <laughs> and she did this three times, so it was like huge. So that was one thing. And then, you know, we've had so many wonderful actresses um, who, who use us of every age. You know, it's incredible. It's just, it's just always a surprise to hear. I don't like to use people's names, so I'm not going to tell you, but there's so many. It's not your style. Um, Can can you, in terms of the product, for people who aren't listening, I mean, there are so many incredible products. I mean, your palettes are just stunning. Your foundation, we've talked about. Your Rose de Mai. How do you, Rose de Mai? Rose de Mai. I should know that. I did French at university. Uh, Rose de Mai. Um, I don't know why I've got Asia on the brain. Anyway, Rose de Mai. What are your personal favorites? What are the products that have blown you away? Which are the products that continue just to fly off the shelves? I, I know it's the Rose Domain and the Foundation. Um, they're both amazing. Not just that. You know, we have incredible success with basically all the masks. You know, we invent the category of sleeping in masks. Mm. We had no time, you know, all of us. So we were always working so hard and traveling. So we wanted something I could put on. When you get off the plane, after you take a shower, you put on your face and go to bed with it. 
And then you next you wake up the next morning and you look great. You look fresh. So we invented that that was hugely successful. And so all of the masks, all of the biolifting range is hugely successful. The cream, the the serum. This was one of the great great serum. And it's and now the newest. I would say my personal favorite, which I create for me because you know I'm 76. You know I'm not 20. Are you really? Yeah. So I want something that keeps my skin looking great. And I create this gold serum that's unbelievable. And that is, I had not had any left for two months. <laughs> and I found some last night. I was so excited. I had to <laughs> do movie last night. I had to do this video with this um, these people with the Lion Guardians. And it was so exciting. I put it on and said, oh, yes, this is why. <laughs> this is why. <laughs> this is so, why I did. This is why yeah. I devoted my career to beauty for a product like this. And what is your, I mean, you're, you're 76. Wow, I'm, I'm sitting here so I can see you. We're, we, are, we can see each other. Um, obviously, people listening can't. I mean, I want to be you when I'm 76. So we, you look <laughs> incredible. What's your secret? How have you aged so beautifully? And uh, what's your own regime I like? To, I have to be honest. I think it's genes, number one. My dad had great skin. My mom had great skin. That's the number one thing. And that's honestly, I think one of the most important is wear your jeans. The other thing is breathe through your nose. Did <laughs> you learn that? Breathe through your nose. Is that right? I have it's terrible huge. sinuses. It's huge, huge, huge. Why, why, why? Okay, I'm going to give you a book to read called Breath by James Nestor. Go read this thing. You will understand everything. It's fascinating. Lower structure of your mouth changes completely. If you breathe through your nose, it changes the way that people have wielding teeth all is because they breathe through the mouth. It changes everything. It's fascinating. So that's one thing. But the one thing that's really important is be I'm trying positive. to breathe through my nose as I sit here now, but I have terrible situation. I have the septum and, and I had bad sinuses. So I totally understand if I still do it, it's incredible. So anyway, remember that book. Go I will. It. I'm on it. <laughs> So um, I think the rest is being very positive. Positivity changed everything. Be generous. Be positive. Walk under the trees. Be wild. I remember seeing um, an incredible woman called Sylvia Earle. Sylvia Earle has spent more time in a capsule under the ocean than anyone. And she looks amazing. She was, when I met her, I think 10 years ago, she was 80. Her skin was fantastic. She's passionate. She's passionate, very intelligent, and you can see it in her face. It's a question of face, you know. I remember Chanel used to say, after 40, you get the face you deserve. And it, your face changes with your, you know, with your character, with what you do, with who you are, you know. Mm. So Very wise words. Um, can you give me some more wise words for entrepreneurs, for aspiring beauty entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, I'm sure you have lots to share. Um, I think the most important is to know inside, deeply inside, that you've got something you want to do and that something is unique to you. It has to be unique. Don't do something because you're looking at the market and say, oh, maybe this would be smart, I could do this. It's a tough one to do that one. If you really want to be successful, you have to be clearly driven by something deep inside you that needs to come out. And then somehow that energy will clear the path and other people will come. You need, everything is energy. Everything is projection. So if you can project clearly and have a strong energy, it will work. Makes sense. Makes sense. How do you switch off, Sylvia? You said you, you love to garden. 
Yes, I mean, my downtime is um, anytime I'm doing something, I, I'm reading, or do, you know, I don't have much time. I don't have much time. And do you feel, I as I know you have your, your wonderful family by your side, your children, but yes. do, you, do you still at 76 feel excited by your career ahead of you and, and motivated? So I, I'm incredibly excited about the next phase of my life because I'm going to go now and concentrate all on conservation. So I'm going to continue doing product creation and I'm going to do continue doing the link of conservation to the company, but I'm walking away from the rest and I'm going to right now be concentrating on conservation full-time. So I'm going to be leaving part of the time in Africa. I'm going to work with different countries on different projects. And um, that's what I'm going to do. That's what wow. I need to do. How amazing. How amazing. Uh, on the subject of product creation, I have to ask you, what is what is the future look like for Shantikai? It's obviously in good hands. You obviously trust them implicitly. Um, it's your baby, but, um, you know, there's two. Uh, now, what, what's coming? I mean, every... I just finished the plan for 2023. And which is the charities that we're going to work with and the animals we're going to work with and what needs to be done and products we're launching. And, you know, it's always going to be something interesting because there's a new creation in science or there's a new creation of something or there's an animal that needs help. That's going to be what we do. But we will always make products that are incredibly effective mm. and are good for you. I mean, the whole, really the reason to be originally was to make a product for a woman that was good for her, that was healthy for her and not destructive. And not destructive for the world and a product that's chic and stylish and has that, <laughs> that French allure. And I mean, Sylvie, gosh, uh, what an inspiring woman you are. I have so enjoyed chatting to you. Um, I hope Africa, well, lucky Africa to have you and, and all your input and energy um, and wisdom. And um, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you. I hope you come see us sometime. I love <laughs> that. I would yeah. love that. I would love that. Right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed that too, then please do leave a comment. Tell your friends to listen too. And if you're not a Shantikai consumer, um, well, you will be by the end of this. Uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sylvie. Do Thank please rate, you. review, um, subscribe, and we'll be back soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.